All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I am recording this following uh, nothing. This is an off day. I'm, I apologize. I'm very much in rhythm as, as to this point. This is the, I think it's the 247th podcast episode of Pickaxe and Roll, so take that for what you will. Um, been doing this a lot. And have been talking about the Nuggets for a long time. And we're 80 games into the season. We've gone through the ups and downs, the trials and the tribulations of this particular year, covering it from head to toe. And there's been a lot of angst. There's been a lot of sadness, I think, throughout this season. And there have been some good things. And everybody gets to celebrate Nikola Jokic. And he's been freaking unbelievable. And, and unless... Unless something crazy happens, and I'm, I'm not jinxing this, knock on wood here, uh, unless something crazy happens, he has a very great shot at the MVP award at the end of this year. And that's really cool. That is a really cool thing for the fan base to be able to celebrate. How often does a fan base get the opportunity to watch the best and most impactful player in basketball? For a for this stretch of time, he's done it for two straight years now, and, and it's just been very cool to see that. And so, it hasn't all been bad, but I think everybody can agree with me here and say that this wasn't the plan, that this wasn't the expectation. When if you even clocked this, let's say a year ago today, that was April seventh. I'm, I'm recording this, or no, I'm, I'm recording this on April sixth. April 6th of last year, it was just a few days after the Denver Nuggets beat the LA Clippers in LA, where Kawhi, Paul George, all their guys played, all the Nuggets guys played, and Denver just looked different. They looked great. And so if you told me then that this would be the timeline that the Nuggets would be undergoing, over the course of the like last postseason, this particular year, and then heading into the postseason in a week from now, I would have said you're crazy. But now we're here, and things have been crazy. Things have been really, really difficult for a lot of people. And the Nuggets have been one of the most afflicted teams in the NBA. Several season-ending injuries, several long-term injuries, uh, lots of... Uh, great play from Nikola Jokic, and then lots of irregular play from pretty much everybody else. And you start to figure, okay, when's the end of it coming? When it, when is the, the light at the end of the tunnel? And for a lot of Nuggets fans, it was hoping to be at the end of this year. Murray comes back, Porter's like ready to go, and, and he's in the playoff shape at that point and averaging 25 points a game as a leading scorer for the team. Jokic wins another MVP and you've got the best big three in basketball anchored by and, and kind of flanked by Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Monte Morris, whole bunch of guys that could really be super helpful for an upcoming playoff run. And it just hasn't worked out to that degree. And I do think that Nuggets fans were hoping, and I, I was hoping, of course I was hoping, that Jamal Murray would be back by now, that Michael Porter would be back, and or having not been injured at all, 
And I think the feeling in Denver would be drastically different. And so what I'm going to tell you today is that I'm not sure if help is going to come this year. I'm not sure if the light is at the end of the tunnel for this year. The injury report dropped today and there were no changes. You still had Jamal Murray is out. Michael Porter Jr. is out. There was no doubtful or questionable designations or anything like that. Zeke Naji is still out. Vlako Chanchar is still out. Denver can't even get a minor reinforcement. They're going to head into the playoffs unless something changes with 11 players. Because the two two-way contracts in Marcus Howard and Davon Reed are not going to be eligible for them. And that's going to suck. That is going to be really, really tough. But Denver's got to deal with it. That This is the hand that they've been dealt. And it's an unfortunate and very painful hand, of course. But the light at the end of the tunnel for Denver is certainly not, like, it's not completely gone. There are still some possibilities that guys could come back. Now, I'm not really sure what's going on with Zeke and Vlaco Chanchar. I'm not sure what's going on with those guys. I know that neither of them is really ramping up. They're they're both getting shots in, or at least Vlaco is, but Zeke's not really. Uh, he's not really ramping up here, getting anywhere close from what I understand. So I, I wouldn't expect either of those guys back. And I'm not surprised that the Nuggets are being cautious with Michael Porter Jr. after he suffered that minor setback in his back. Now, they are calling it minor. Uh, they are basically saying that they haven't said this publicly, but he's out for the regular season. He's not going to he's not going to come back over the course of these next two games. Don't count on it. I don't think anybody was, but definitely don't count on it. And I think he's really frustrated and disappointed that it doesn't look like he's going to get the opportunity to prove that he's not an injury-prone player. Now, what I would express to him is that, look, Joel Embiid is going to finish second in the MVP race last year and probably third in the MVP race this year, maybe second. And he was out for two and a half of the first four years of his career, or two and a half of the first three years of his career. And he still managed to become one of the most dominant players of this generation. It is okay to say you need to rest up and, and get yourself right. If you're not ready to go, or if there's a real risk of re-injury, then why would you risk it? Especially if for somebody's got a back injury. That seems seems really bad. So I would be shocked personally if Michael Porter Jr. came back this year. I would be shocked. If he does, you can come to Ryan and say, hey, look, you were wrong. And I'll be happy to be wrong. Of course, like if if he does re-injure himself, then be like, hey, that's that seems like a, a great idea that he would have been held out. But at this point, it certainly feels like the right course of action for him is to hold him out until next year. Now, Jamal, I don't know. I think that you can go a number of different ways. And I think a lot of people are thinking, okay, playoffs ramping up, going to be very intense. There's a very strong possibility that he's not ready right now, just not ready, whether it's physically, mentally, trusting the knee, whatever it is. 
just a strong possibility that he's not ready. And he was out. Like, he's out on the injury report for tomorrow. And I had heard on Tuesday that he would be out for Thursday. So, not really surprised that that's happening. I didn't hear anything about Sunday. So, maybe that changes. But it is all on Murray to determine when he's ready. Nobody is pressuring him. Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, they've both publicly said, hey, we want you to be 100%. There's no rush to get back into this thing. Take care of yourself. Michael Malone obviously says the same thing. But it's going to be on Murray to determine if he's good to go. And only he can determine that. And I'm not sure if the playoffs or a prospective playoff run is really going to prevent him from saying whether he's ready or not. He knows that the playoffs are more intense. He doesn't need to be told that. He's played there before. So I'm not sure whether, like, like he knows it's going to be more intense. Whether he makes that call is up to him. Obviously, the training staff will give their they'll give their opinions on this. They will make sure that he's prepared for all of those situations, and then it will be on him once he reaches certain benchmarks. I don't think he's reached those benchmarks yet. At least, just in my opinion, my personal opinion. Now, I just want to say this too. I know fans have been really upset at certain media members, at me, whoever, about the flow of information and on the speculation that Nuggets Media and everybody else has had to go through when it comes to Murray, when it comes to Porter, etc. What I will say is that the flow of information is very controlled within the Nuggets, and it's actually not necessarily anybody's fault that it is that controlled. The, the medical staff And Steve Short, who runs the medical staff, is the one who's responsible for the flow of information on these injuries. It's why they very like they release just very little information until a player is particularly ready and and fully 100% basically like they're ready and good to go. Denver's always been very uh, consistent with that over the course of these past few years, and it happened when Steve Short took over. It's not necessarily Michael Malone or Tim Connolly or Nuggets PR or the reporters. Uh, that's that's withholding information or anything like that. It is the medical staff, clearly, and, and very, very, very strongly the medical staff. And that's by design. They want as much flexibility as possible for these players. They do not want them to be put under any sort of pressure to come back before they are ready. But unfortunately, because the designation for players can change within 24 hours or 48 hours or anything like that, it is up to the the Nuggets media and everybody else surrounding kind of the news breaking stuff to be able to properly anticipate this and to try to project when players are going to come back. And that's why you hear people talking to other people and uh, sources being shared and things of that nature. And various people talk and there are some people that know more than others. And I think Mike has been very strongly on this. I know as somebody who talks to Matt more frequently, I know that he had very strong reason to believe that Mike, that uh, Jamal Murray would be come back, coming back in February. 
I believe that that was true. And that at one point, that there was a belief that Murray could come back at that point. And then COVID hit and various setbacks happen. And you just kind of go through the whole process. And it's not even really setbacks. Like, let me, let me, let me rephrase that before getting in trouble. It's not setbacks. It's just, hey, having a little bit of soreness, let's not work all the way to 100% on this particular day or these particular two days or whatever. So you walk it back just a little bit. That's the normal process of coming back from an ACL tear and from any basic long-term injuries. You do what you can and you go 10%, 15%, 20%, 30%, and you work up and you meet these various check marks. And until you reach that check mark, you can't progress to the next one. So the check marks were being met. And then the timetable changed. And that happened for both Murray and Porter. And it's not necessarily surprising. It's also why. The medical staff doesn't want to release things prematurely. It's why they want the players to be in full control of that because they don't necessarily want it to be public information that setbacks or maybe like a step down happens. I get that. I understand. Like that's definitely a thing. But for a fan base that is getting very excited for the playoffs, wanting to see this year not being wasted with Nikola Jokic playing the way he is. You've got a championship foundation as long as that foundation is there. And if that foundation is there, like fans are really interested in whether that could happen. So I'm not surprised that things have become contentious or anything like that. I do think that it's understandable from all sides that this has happened. But I do think that It's still up in the air with regard to Murray. Again, I would be surprised with Zeke. I would be surprised with Vlatko. I would be surprised with MPJ. And frankly, I would be surprised with Murray too. Because it does not necessarily feel like this is Denver's year. And if that's the case, then why hurry back? That would be my message to Jamal and his people. And to the Nuggets, frankly. That look, it's okay if this isn't the year. Let's make next year the year and not try to rush anything too crazy. But again, this is all on Jamal. It's all on how he feels. And if he feels good and if he meets those check marks and he's ready to go, then the Nuggets are going to let him play. And that's still not out of the question yet. So that's why this thing is so ambiguous. That's why. There aren't like, there aren't any like evil people. In all of this, there aren't any people that are trying to deceive anybody in all of this. It's just a very real world situation. And there's no timetable specifically. So you've got people guessing. You've got people trying to uh, figure things out because it's our job. It is our job to do that. So either way. We will see whether that changes. We will see whether the injury report changes at all. But I do want to leave you with this. The players that are still under contract for next season, independent of what happens this year, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Monte Morris, Bones Highland, Zeke Naji. So you've got the original starting five, the planned starting five. 
plus the elite sixth man that leveled up this year in Monte Morris, plus the flashy rookie that proved that he could be a part of things in Bones Highland, plus a young athletic forward slash big in Zeke Naji that projects to be one of Denver's better perimeter defenders and outside shooters. You've got a lot to work with, and there's a lot of flexibility beyond that. Jeff Green and Jamichael Green both have player options, and whether they take those or decline those, we don't know, but Denver will figure that plan out. They've got a first-round pick next year. Whether they trade it at the, at the draft or they select somebody who could be a, another helpful player, they've got options. They've got some flexibility with the salary cap exceptions to sign different free agents. They could bring back some of their own free agents. There are lots of reasons to believe that Denver will be in a much better place from top to bottom than they are right now. And I know it has felt bad. I know that things have been really difficult. And I, for one, am probably one of the big contributors in terms of the, the negative attitude. And I get that. I understand that. And I'm, I'm, again, like I said, I was trying to work on it. Yesterday was pretty tough because Denver lost to a non, uh, a, a sub 500 opponents with an opportunity to clinch. It was embarrassing. But once you get past that, you realize that Denver has two more opportunities to do so over the course of this week and weekend, then things start to feel just a little bit better. And then you remember that, oh yeah, Jamal Murray's really freaking good and Michael Porter's really freaking good. And those guys will be back. And Denver's core will be better. That's an exciting thing. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, some of the other teams around the NBA and kind of share in some of the, the pain that they've had to endure and how they're in a much worse place than the Denver Nuggets are. We'll be right back. But first... This podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. The Masters is coming up on Thursday. Uh, I am recording this on Wednesday night. If you are interested in getting in on the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, they're offering promos, especially to new customers who want to get in on the action and bet the Masters. Bet on uh, if you've got Tiger Woods in his comeback, in his attempt. And what, what a story, right? Like that's such a big deal for the golf world. If you're a Justin Thomas fan, if you are, I don't know, a Jordan Spieth guy, uh, there's a lot of amazing golfers that could take home the title this year, take home the major, the green jacket this year. And if you want to get in on the action, if you're a new user, make sure to use promo code MHS when you sign up for all of the great deals over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They give you a great opportunity to get in on the action, bet your heart's content, and make sure that you've got the best odds to win the most money. That's how they do it. It's promo code MHS for new users. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimums paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Back, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. 
I uh, don't know if you noticed, but I, I debuted some more podcast music at the top of this podcast and, and always love to make the new music for this show. It's not always new. It's, it's Some of it is just royalty-free stuff, but wanted to make sure to uh, give myself some, some nice mixes. That's one of the things that I pride in this podcast is I, I try to keep it fresh. I try to uh, give a nice new sound to everything that's going on, so... Uh, if, if you're if you like the music, uh, leave a leave a like. Not not a like. That's a that's for YouTube. Uh, make sure to uh, like or subscribe to the program and, and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review; those mean the world. And uh, a five star review would be fantastic. All right, let's get into uh, just a mass of teams here that I think are so down bad. And I saw that uh, DNVR did this. And I was thinking about this last night when the when the Lakers were eliminated. And I wanted to be able to talk about this, this topic because Nuggets fans have been kind of down bad. And everybody has done a whole bunch of bemoaning for the season and how sad it's been. And I've been sad. And like that's just sort of the personality and whatnot. But I think that it is important to discuss that Denver is not the most down bad team in the NBA. There are a lot of places that if you switched places with some of these franchises, then you would be very frustrated. Let's kick it off with the king of them all, the Sacramento Kings. Kangs, if you will. They trade Tyrese Halliburton, the guy who they wanted to be the face of their franchise, and, and Sacramento fans wanted him to be the face of their franchise for a while. He said he wanted to be in Sacramento. Whether he was good enough to be the face of a franchise is unknown, but it was just his second year. He was like 21 or 22 years old. And they trade him for DeMontis Sabonis, among others. Uh, there, was, there was a larger package there. But they make this win-now move, trading a very young, versatile guard Somebody that drives winning in a lot of different ways, despite the fact that he was stuck in Sacramento. For a big man in DeMontis Sabonis, who is, is basically B or C tech Nikola Jokic. And probably B is, is fair, because he's made a couple all-star games here. But it just seems like the Kings never know what to do with themselves. And every time they try to make a move, it somehow ends up bad. And they haven't made the playoffs, I think, since 2006, if I'm not mistaken. And Nuggets fans, if Denver makes the playoffs, it'll be the fourth straight year that they've made it. 2018-19, 2019-20, 2021, and 2022. Like, there are a lot of reasons for Nuggets fans to be happy about their situation. They've had they've had the opportunity to root for Nikola Jokic. They have not lost a first-round playoff series to date. And they might lose one this upcoming year, and doing so without Murray and Porter would not be surprising in any shape or form. But they still have an opportunity to win it. Like, I don't think anybody's going to write them off entirely from winning a playoff series, despite the fact that they've kind of struggled with some of these top teams. But the Kings, they would give so much to be a Nuggets supporter. Like, Kings fans would be trading that fandom out if they possibly could. 
But they can't because the kings just continue to do insane things and they continue to ruin what should be a a reasonable rebuild. They do the wrong thing because they, they keep trying to shortchange an actual rebuild because they've been so bad for so long. How about the Washington Wizards who have been trying like hell to build around Bradley Beal in a way where, okay, John Wall didn't work out. He, he They signed that Supermax deal and it immediately became bad. And the moment that they signed it, he got hurt. And him getting hurt really set their franchise back basically five years. It's because he came back, John Wall did, and clearly wasn't the same. And then they traded him for Russell Westbrook because that was the only contract that they could realistically flip John Wall for. And Russell Westbrook was so bad that like somehow the Lakers decided that they thought it would be a great idea. Like he he like Russell Westbrook was good enough at the flashy things to make it so that the Lakers would want him. And so there was an out for the Washington Wizards. They were able to get out of the Russell Westbrook contract somehow some way. And they traded him for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and I think like a second round pick or something like that. That's a pretty good deal, honestly. There was an opportunity for them to build around Bradley Beal. What did they do? They went and signed Spencer Dinwiddie, who was immediately hated by his locker room. Bradley Beal, clearly not the leader that they need him to be. And they are now back to purgatory. Like the Wizards are currently 35 and 45. They are not bad enough to get a high draft pick, and they are not good enough to get out of the draft lottery. They are in purgatory, in an actual purgatory, because there's no way they're getting out of that zone unless they trade Bradley Beal now. So I think that's probably what's going to happen in the offseason. Or they're going to sign Bradley Beal to a five-year, $250 million contract. In which case, they will officially be in purgatory for the rest of that tenure and probably several years longer. How about the Pelicans? Who, I know Nuggets fans are curious about the injury status of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. What about Zion freaking Williamson? Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows with that guy? At least you think that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter want to play for the Nuggets. That's not even a guarantee. When it comes to Zion, they want so desperately, Pelicans fans do, for Zion to come back to be able to see and and just see the actual product of what they've built because they acquired Brandon Ingram, obviously. They acquired CJ McCollum. They've drafted and signed some other good pieces in Jonas Valanciunas, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes, Devontae Graham. They've got some other good players. That if you just have Zion back, you might be competing for a playoff spot. They'd probably be in the play-in for sure. Like there's no way they would have missed out on actually, well, they are in the play-in right now. They're ninth. They could potentially be pushing Denver and Minnesota by just having Zion back. But the fact is, is that it's very possible that he does doesn't want to be there. Very, very possible. So we're going to see. 
we are going to see how the Pelicans handle their Zion situation and whether that's going to torpedo their franchise once again. It is funny that these things are cyclical, right? They get these high draft picks, these elite players in Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, and Zion Williamson. And the only major storyline for their franchises is when those guys are traded. It's crazy. The Blazers, they traded CJ McCollum to the Pelicans, and they are tanking so, so hard right now to try to get one of these top draft picks and either potentially draft that player and start their own rebuild or trade that pick and try to get Damian Lillard some help. It would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form if they trade what is like the fifth overall pick in the draft for Jeremy Grant in the offseason. Imagine doing that and then surrounding Damian Lillard with Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, and Yusuf Nurkic. Have a great, enjoyable run to the 10th seed because that is all they're going to do. And Denver's goals are just higher than that. They've always been higher than that. I think Portland's goals are too, but they are going to come across the fact and the reality that if they trust their own guys too much, then they are absolutely not going to get to a good, healthy place for their roster. And it's only a matter of time before Damian Lillard asks out. Like, that's why everybody's been asking about it for years. That's too bad. What about the Thunder? The Oklahoma City Thunder are basically doing their own version of the process. And I don't know about you guys, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who signed a five-year max last offseason, is about to have that start up. And the Thunder are just not close to building a sustainable contender. They're going to get another top draft pick. They're going to get several picks in this draft. And they're going to have to draft a big man at some point, somebody who can actually match up with somebody like Nikola Jokic. Think about how difficult it was for Denver to just beat the OKC Thunder. I know that that's making an argument for the Thunder, but they, they are a functional team. They, like they, They've got a, a really good foundation for them. And so maybe you could be excited, but just as easily, they could trade Shea Gilgis-Alexander within the next calendar year if he says, I don't want to continue losing. Because the planet for them is to continue losing until they grab as many top talents as they possibly can. Their fan base has started justifying the losing. And I'm not sure how long you can justify it. Like, how long does that go? And you're going to string it out for as long as possible. That is not a fun place to be. That is not an enjoyable place to be, in my opinion. It's not a competitive place to be, that's for sure. Now, the Rockets, they probably want to be the Thunder, which is hilarious. Because the Rockets, they've got these veterans still, like John Wall's contract. Like, John Wall's contract, by the way, he's owed like $47 million next year. $47 million. And like he, he hasn't played a game for the Rockets this season. He played for them last year, and then they shut him down. They didn't play another game this year. And he won't play another game next year. 
They've got Kevin Porter Jr. running their point guard position, and that's been sort of a disaster. Jalen Green looks like he's going to end up being a good scorer at the NBA level, somebody who could maybe have a Devin Booker track, maybe have a Tyler Hero track or somebody like that. It's going to be in that general vicinity, I think. But it's just unclear what their next step is. Like They're just going to keep adding these young pieces and hope that they hit gold, but it's just going to take so much time. And the vibes there are just so bad. So, so bad. It reminds me of Brian Shaw, frankly. What about the Knicks? The Knicks sold themselves on being a contender last year and paid $70 million for Evan Fournier. Previous year, they re-upped Derrick Rose and Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel and guys like that to make sure that they could lock in their team. But there's no way in hell that they're actually moving up higher than this unless Donovan Mitchell or, uh, I don't know, Zion Williamson decides that they want to go to New York and continue their careers, which is very possible. But it's just another sad storyline for the Knicks because if Donovan Mitchell's that guy, they're going to say that he's that guy and they're going to win 45 games next year and they're going to wonder why they aren't winning more or being more competitive because they don't have that top piece and they're going to sell themselves on that success it's going to be hell speaking of Donovan Mitchell the Jazz just see that stat of Donovan Mitchell only passes to Rudy Gobert twice a game it's definitely true And it's by design, like he's like Rudy is a screen setter and an offensive rebounder. He is not a play finisher. He's not a play creator at all. He's just a guy who is there to set screens for their players. And that's creating a lot of friction, I think, where there's only so much that Rudy can do on the defensive end. And when the defensive end falters, it's usually on his shoulders. And it's because he was only at 99% capacity as opposed to 112%. When the offense falters, he's probably side-eyeing Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and all their other guys. But hey, you guys took 32 shots combined. I took five. How can I be at fault for the offense? So there's just this natural divide there. And they're going to try to continue to walk that back. And when they lose in the first round, if they do, then there's going to be some fireworks, I think. I think there's a possibility that both Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell both get traded. That'd be crazy. Be a very, very strong shift in the NBA hierarchy. And you've got the Sixers, who are just molding right now. Their fans are molding that Joel Embiid is going to lose to Nikola Jokic or Giannis Antetokounmpo if he, if he wins it, but that he's going to lose an MVP for a second straight year. And they just can't believe it. They cannot wrap their minds around it. And on one hand, it's painful. On the other hand, it's hilarious for me because they, they're one of the most toxic fan bases and continue to go to lengths 
to try to discredit Nikola Jokic because they want their guy to win so badly. But they also want to support their guy so badly that they have also alienated every other member of the team. Way worse than Nuggets fans have. Like, they've called James Harden trash. They've called Tobias Harris trash. They've called Matisse Thybul trash. Tyrese Maxey is, is one of their sons. Like, he, he's probably not going to get so much hate. But if he goes 3 of 14 in a playoff game, he's going to get called trash too. They have a culture. I think I heard Adam say this at one point. They just have a culture of blame. And it's always somebody's fault. Rather than coming together, all the blame is being pinned on somebody. And last year was Ben Simmons. This this year it's probably going to be Doc Rivers. Next year it will probably be James Harden. And after that, who else is going to get the blame? But either way, like they, they've put themselves into this position where they've got this great team, but for whatever reason, they're not winning as many games as they probably should be. And there's probably something to that. They've got the crown jewel, I think, of the Los Angeles Lakers, who their fans can and should be the most down bad fans of the entire NBA. Because they kept trying to talk themselves into Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis and LeBron James, frankly. All of all three of those guys were disappointing this year. And I know that LeBron is scoring, and I know that the numbers are the same. There's just a lot of effort-related stuff. There's a lot of decision-making-related stuff that he absolutely could have been better upon. And one of those decisions was committing to Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis as teammates, frankly. Because there was plenty of reason to think that this could happen this year. Absolutely, plenty of reason. And lots of people didn't want to believe it. I thought that they would be able to work through their troubles, but I also didn't fully recognize that their supporting cast was as bad as it was. Lots of people got tricked there, and lots of people intentionally tricked. ESPN kept talking them up. TNT kept talking them up. All the outlets. And lo and behold, they suck. They just flat out suck. And it's really funny. It's really, really enjoyable. And it's too bad that Denver lost in the bubble and potentially lost the opportunity to win a freaking title because Anthony Davis got hot, because he started to make jump shots. That's really the only reason they won. Because if he wasn't making jump shots at such a historic clip, then Denver probably wins a title that year. I think they beat Miami. I think they're a better team than Miami that year, for sure. It's crazy, though. It's just a crazy thing to think about. But they've gone so far in their wrong direction that something's got to give this offseason, I have to imagine. But if it doesn't, then that's just, uh, it's just more icing on the cake that has been a delicious cake of... Lakers fan tears. It's been fun. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to uh, turn all of this negative pent-up karma that I have discussed now and then now talk about the rest of the season and the scenarios and, and how everything is going to play out so positively for Denver. It should be delicious. We'll be right back. 
All right, final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let us discuss the scenarios for the rest of the season. Uh, got just two more games. Two more games on the Nuggets calendar. One on Thursday, one on Sunday. Denver needs just one more win. And they're going to have two more tries to do it. Or or Minnesota could lose a game. That would be great, right? Like, if Minnesota loses on Thursday, then everybody can go home for the weekend and understand, all right, Denver's going to be the sixth seed. Minnesota's going to be the seventh seed. No need to try either of those teams in that Sunday game. All you have to do is just get through it and get through it without any injuries. You could rest your guys. Let me just make the case to Minnesota. Like, look, you don't have anything to play for. It's fine. It's fine. Just rest your guys. It's fine. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. And we'll, we'll talk about why. But Denver's schedule. They have Memphis on Thursday. No John Morantz. And this is tomorrow. So you're probably listening to this today, actually on Thursday. No John Morant. Basically, everyone else is available. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how Memphis approaches this because they might just decide to rest a few extra guys on this trip, but they also might not. Like they, They definitely seem to be a team that continues to compete, that continues to play hard, and I'm surprised that they aren't resting more players initially on this trip. But maybe they just want a good tune-up for the playoffs, and they're going to play hard for this one and then sit their guys in the next game or however many games they have. Let's see. Uh, They have three more games according to the schedule. So maybe they've got one. Oh, no, because they're playing tomorrow. So they're going to play their guys, and then they'll probably sit their guys in the last two is what I'd expect. Uh, But Denver also has the Lakers on Sunday. And it's very interesting to see what happens with the Lakers because – they're out of it officially. They have been eliminated from playoff contention. They might achieve 50 losses, which is awesome, frankly. Uh, they're actually probably going to do that. So they play three more games, one of which is against Golden State and the other two against Oklahoma City and against Denver. Uh LeBron James has played 56 games this year. In order to qualify for the scoring title that he is very close to winning, he needs to play 58 games. That means that he'd have to play two of the three games remaining on the calendar, despite the fact that he has an ankle injury. And so we'll see whether he tries to come back for that. I think there there have been indications on both sides that he might try to come back for that or he might not. I have to imagine that Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis are probably not playing in that final game. Like, there's really no reason to play them, in my opinion. But maybe they do. And, and if that's if that happens, then Denver will have their hands full for two guys that will probably try. I can't imagine that they're going to travel on the road for a final game and not try. But they are the Lakers, and Denver's Denver just beat them. So maybe maybe things change. I don't know. Either way. Denver, actually, no, let's go with this first. Minnesota's schedule. They have San Antonio on Thursday, and San Antonio still has something to play for. They are currently one game back of the New Orleans Pelicans with three games to go. San Antonio, if they win out and New Orleans loses one of their remaining three games, then San Antonio will host the play-in game between New Orleans and San Antonio. They're both locked into the 9-10 bracket, basically. They will be 
playing each other. The difference is who or where are they going to play? And so if you're the nine seed, then you have the opportunity to host that game. Now, I don't know if San Antonio cares about that. And if they if they don't care, then they might as well just rest their guys. But it does seem like they do. So San Antonio could be trying tomorrow, today, if you're listening to this on Thursday, against Minnesota. And Minnesota's been struggling of late. They're 5-5, they're five and five, just like Denver is in their last five games. So we'll see what happens. But Minnesota also plays, plays Chicago on Sunday, who might have something to play for, but probably not. It looks like Chicago is going to be locked into the sixth seed at that point. It doesn't look like Cleveland can catch them, and it doesn't look like Toronto is going to fall back to them. So I'm going to guess that Chicago, by the time the last game of the season rolls around, they probably won't have anything to play for, which means DeRozan is going to rest, Levine will rest, Caruso probably rests, Vucevic rests, going to be a lot of guys that are, should probably take that game off. But maybe they don't. And maybe they surprise Minnesota. But because of that, I have to imagine that if Minnesota wants to win these last two games and try to get out of the play-in tournament, then they, they probably can and they probably will. Now, I said that against Washington, and then they lost to Washington while Denver lost to San Antonio. So this isn't cut and dry. This isn't something where you can just project it perfectly. But here's the thing. Denver would have to go 0-2 and Minnesota would have to go 2-0 in order for Minnesota to overtake Denver. So Denver can simplify everything by just winning on Thursday, by winning this game against the Memphis Grizzlies. And if they do, if they were to make that happen, then Jokic could probably rest on Sunday along with probably Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, and Monte Morris, who all could desperately need it. Jamal Murray, I don't know if he's coming back. I can't guarantee that, but if there's an opportunity to play him in a game that doesn't matter, where he can use it as a glorified scrimmage, then maybe that would help. Maybe that would help him specifically to come back on his home floor, see the fans, and just get his legs under him in a game. If that's the plan, if he's really, really wanting to come back, that would be the day to do it if Denver won on Thursday. Again, it's unlikely. But there is a possibility there. So if you just take the pressure off of that game, if you just win on Thursday, you take the pressure off, you can open up some of these scenarios of rest, of reinsertion, of trying to find a, a good opportunity to test some different things. Maybe they play different guys together than they expect. Maybe they can give Bryn Forbes a lot more run. Maybe they give Faku Kampazo some run. Those guys are going to be, have to be ready because they are the 10th and 11th members of Denver's playoff rotation right now. So if Murray isn't coming back and Bones gets hurt, I'm going to guess that Faku's going to have to play. Going to guess that Bryn is definitely going to have to play. So Denver's going to have to change some things. They're going to have to figure some things out. But either way, it gets more difficult if Denver loses on Thursday and Minnesota wins. Then you've got two teams on Sunday that if Minnesota wins again and Denver loses, then it's it would be a disaster of epic proportions for Denver if they came back to home court 
and then lost all three games. That would be a disaster. Just be epic fail. I don't think that that's going to happen. Let me just reiterate. I think that I, I hope they're going to win. And they settle this themselves. Because it would help for Nikola Jokic's MVP case if Denver could win on Thursday. He puts up a big 40-point triple-double or something like that. And that'd be the last game that people see of him. Then he rests. He'll have more wins as a sixth seed than Russell Westbrook's Thunder did as a sixth seed. And in this very difficult environment for him, the Nuggets would have hit their over on the Vegas protected projected win totals. And then he probably gets to that 2,000-1,500 threshold that I've been floating lately. So, if he was able to hit all those things, if Denver was able to kind of thread the needle like that, maybe he gets an MVP. That'd be great. But here's what happens once that happens. Let's say Denver does clinch. Let's say they get the sixth seed. It is very possible that Denver could face either the Golden State Warriors or the Dallas Mavericks. It is unclear what happens there. Let me just read off the scenarios for my friend Matt Moore. If the Warriors go 3-0, and the Warriors are the three seed. If the Warriors go 2-1 and in their final three games and the Mavs go 2-0, and the Mavs are the three, Golden State's the four. If the Warriors go 2-1 and and the Mavs don't go 2-0, and then the Mavs are the four and the Golden State Warriors are the three. It's either going to be one of those two teams. And all the Warriors have to do is win more games or the win the same number of games. Actually, no, they have to win more games than the Mavericks, which leads me to think that the Mavs are probably the team that Denver will face. Because the Mavs, I don't think they have a tough schedule. Let me just check that to confirm over the course of these last two. Because it's one of those things that you, you just kind of forget which of these teams is doing what. Uh, but over the last two games, Dallas plays Portland and San Antonio. San Antonio might be trying in that game. Portland most certainly is not. San Antonio... Dallas, if, if they want to win that game, then they could absolutely outmatch them. But I think if if you are the actually, it's 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 a very tough question for those teams. Would they rather play Nikola Jokic and the and the Denver Nuggets that are injured, or would they rather play Utah, who's going to be the five seed? Because Utah is just so so fragile right now. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for either of those two teams. I have to imagine that Denver's probably the more dangerous team, but it wouldn't shock me if it was somebody else. But either way, you could have Utah clinching to be the top five seed with just another win after tonight. They, they won tonight. They just need one more win or one more Denver loss, and then Utah clinches the five seed. They're going to be the five. Denver, they're probably going to be the six which means that it's going to be Golden State or Dallas. Now, if it's Golden State, one of these things that I've been thinking about, Murray has said, or not said, the, the sort of message that has come out is that it is possible that he comes back in the playoffs if he feels up to it. He might not feel up to it. But if he did feel up to it, 
and the Nuggets were in a first-round series against the Golden State Warriors, then his first game back might be the arena where he tore his ACL. In Chase Center. In Golden State. Or not in Golden, in San Francisco. How insane is that? First of all, it would take a whole bunch of emotional fortitude and toughness in order to even think about doing that. I would not be super excited about that prospect. It would probably be traumatic for me, but I have a weaker mind than Jamal Murray. So if he wants to come back in that case, that is a crazy story if that were to happen. For all intents and purposes, I hope it doesn't happen. If I, I would hope that Denver matches up with Dallas in that situation so he doesn't have to deal with that because that just seems, man, that seems like a crazy thing. But it would be a crazy story if, if he came back for like game two of that series and then the Nuggets pulled out a win in the series in advance. That would be insane. What a comeback story. Be crazy. Now, it's either going to be Dallas or or Golden State. As long as Denver wins, and if they do win, then it makes me feel a lot better. If they don't win, then they'll drop into the play-in and they'll face the LA Clippers, and that is probably one of the darkest timelines because they just got back Paul George and they just got back Norman Powell tonight who started off by scoring 17 points on six shots. What an insane run that the Clippers are about to go on if they do get back Kawhi Leonard, which I doubt happens, but it's always possible. Nobody knows. So, I don't know, folks. I don't know. I think uh, think Denver's in a really weird spot here. And I, I frankly, I doubt that they advance. I doubt that they get to the second round anyway, but if they were to get to the second round, it does seem like they are locked into either the six or the seven, in which case they would not be facing Phoenix until a possible Western Conference Finals round. I don't think they're going to have to worry about that. That just doesn't seem like it's in Denver's future right now, but they did manipulate the standings to this point, and they might just lock themselves into a six seed where you face one of Dallas or Golden State, let's say it's Golden State and Steph Curry's hampered. You advance. Let's say Memphis and John Morant's a little bit hampered coming back from his injury. And you advance. Let's say it's Phoenix and Chris Paul hurts his elbow. And then you advance. And you've had this entire time where Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. have been working their way back. And they're now in the rotation and they're playing and they're helping go to an NBA Finals. It's not off the table. Now, does it look like it's going to happen? Hell no. I would not bet that. And if you did, then I'd be ins- you'd be insane. But it's not off the table, which is crazy. That is how talented the Nuggets are when they're at full strength. You have to give them that respect. And it's one of the reasons, once again, why this year has just been so frustrating. You know that if Murray was out there at reasonable peak form, or like like close to his peak, and Michael Porter was just bombing away from three once again, 
that Denver wouldn't have some of the problems that they do this year from fatigue and from execution failure and from uh, just just overall lack of defensive energy. They'd have more defensive energy if they had Jamal Murray back. He is not the best defender in the world, but everybody else would be able to give so much more effort and there would be so much more belief in general for this team. And so that's why this is such a big deal. That's why if Murray is able to come back, that it really does sort of change the calculus in so many different ways. They just have to wait and see. And we will see. We will, like, like these things are going to come to a head. I know Nuggets fans don't like to be strung along. I get it. I don't like to be strung along either. But he's either going to come back or he's not. And you're going to figure it out either in the next few days or in the next few weeks. And this thing is going to come to a head at some point. And then you can flip the page and focus on next year after that. I think that is a very cathartic feeling. That once you get to that point, everybody can take a deep breath, realize that the season was cursed, and turn the page. That seems like a good idea. Or you make an NBA Finals run. Either one is great with me. That is going to do for this episode of Pick, Axe, and Roll. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for the extended uh, listen here. I, I went long. I did not expect to go this long on this podcast. I kind of just got rolling here. Uh, everybody, thank you for all the love and support. As always, I will be back after Thursday's game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Hopefully, it is a positive. Hopefully, the Nuggets can kind of round into form and take care of business. That would be fantastic. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.